Well, hello friends, welcome to This Good Word. This is episode 135, my friends. And I'm titling this one, Learning to See. And I want to make a confession, a little admission. Uh, When I first started this podcast, maybe even for the first 100 episodes or so, I really tried hard to have it be one word. Because after all, the title of the podcast is This Good Word. (laughs) One word. And the goal was to look at one word from a bunch of different angles and to have fun with that. And we did that so well. And so the spirit of that is still here, but I have allowed myself to expand the titles to more than one word. For example, this one is called Learning to See. And I wanted to call it See, but it just didn't quite do it. Learning to See is not even the greatest title in the world. In fact, Another confession, I'm a writer, I love writing, and so from time to time people ask me, hey, can I have some help titling something, titling an essay, titling a book, titling my podcast? Here's the confession. While I do believe I'm a good writer, I'm a horrible titler. (laughs) Just ask my editors, ask my publishers, ask my agent. They would be like, yeah, um, everything you've come up with is not quite, I mean, they're all very polite about it, but the truth is I'm not a good titler. So learning to see, not a great title, but I think it'll make sense what it is. At least it's an obvious one. We're going to talk about what it means to learn to see. In this episode, I want to talk about getting in touch with the desire to see things that you don't currently see. And I want to talk about how to get there. I'm going to talk about the, gosh, it's almost like an echo chamber, but then that's switching metaphors to hearing. But it's like, if you don't get in touch with the fact that even if you want to see certain things from different perspectives, your current lens or your current perspective will make you blind. So that just wanting to see things from a different perspective is not going to be enough. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about learning to see and admitting where you might not be able to see, admitting where your perspective or your lens really gets in the way and makes you blind, even if you want to see something different. So I'm going to do that by telling a story, uh, something kind of amazing that recently happened at our church, (laughs) of all places. And then I want to remember a story that Jesus told about sight. And I want to talk a little bit about what he was really going for there uh, in telling the story. There's many layers, always. Whenever he opened his mouth, there's about 17,000 layers happening. And you can pick whatever layer you want to pick. Uh, Whatever layer you feel like you can pick, that's what you get to pick. This is so maddening about Jesus, actually, because you can make him appear to say whatever it is that you want him to say, depending on the layer that you go. It's very frustrating. But it's also one of the things I love most about Jesus is that there's always more there. Whenever you think he is propping up your tribe and saying exactly the thing that your tribe is saying, that's when you got to watch out. That's when you got to say, okay, if it sounds like Jesus is just repeating your tribe's party line. That's when you go, okay, hold the phone, hold on. What am I not seeing? What am I not hearing? 
because Jesus was it did not preach, teach, live, die, and be resurrected in order to prop up your tribe. Jesus is bigger than your tribe, than my tribe. Jesus doesn't exist to start a tribe or to prop it up or to keep it going. He was after something much bigger. And that right there should be offensive to you. Honestly, it should be offensive to me, <laughs> honestly. So if you're not at many times offended and inspired by Jesus, you're probably not seeing what you need to be seeing. So maybe you've already turned off the podcast. Maybe you're about to turn off the podcast. So I'm going to tell a story about a thing that happened in our church. I'm going to remember a story that Jesus told. And then I'm just going to ask some questions that might get some reflecting and thinking happening about what it is that you want to see and how it is that you might get there. So Let's get into the story. This was about a week and a half ago, and we had a dear friend coming in to guest preach, and he came up and said, hey, oh my gosh, you guys, I we have an opportunity to do something really special. Do you guys want to do something really special? And we were like, sure. Uh, can we know what it is, though? He's like, well, uh, I've invited someone to come, and she is an undocumented immigrant from Mexico. She wants to tell her story. She's a mother of dreamers, and she wants to tell her story. I've heard her story. It's amazing. Her faith is crazy, um, and so should we do it? And, you know, we're kind of, it's like uh, at our church, um, you know, the answer to that kind of thing is almost always yes, because we really do want to see. And I think, I think, I think, I think we're starting to learn that the only way to do that is by hearing stories from people who have a very different perspective than you do. Because we all think, you know, let's just, I mean, let's just be honest, gang. Okay, most of us think we're way more enlightened than we are. Most of us think we're way more, um, like, empathetic than we are. We get it. We hear it. We listen to it. We're down with it. We're, we've evolved. We get it. You know, there's nothing that really can surprise us. We're for everybody. We're, and, and you know, the truth is then um, you hear a story and you go, holy mama. Um, so many things were challenged there. So uh, this woman's name was Antonia. She's about, I just want you to get a picture of her, right? Because, you know, she's about five feet tall. Um, she's a Latina. She Dark hair, dark eyes. Very, when I met her, just very soft-spoken. Um, again, small stature, you know, it's like, wow, okay, um, who, who is this person? It's very, very sweet. And so my friend got up there and he'd give a little intro and gave a little talk and then he invited Antonia up and it was supposed to be an interview, but frankly, Antonia just, she, she, she basically took over. It was incredible. <laughs> And um, she wanted to be introduced as undocumented. So that was her choice. So she did. But then she started to tell her story. In Mexico, she was a nurse oncologist. I mean, get into that, friends. She was a nurse oncologist. She owned her own business. And in that business, she had a, uh, she had a bunch of staff people. And then one day, uh, one of her staff members got kidnapped by sort of like the, the Mexican mob. 
was crazy, nuts. I mean, just like, what? And so, and then they demanded a ransom to get the staff person back. So she paid the ransom. And then a little while later, another staff member got kidnapped and they demanded a ransom. So she got the ransom, she paid the ransom. And then after a little while later, a third staff member uh, got kidnapped and she no longer had the money to pay the ransom. And so she tells, so later she sets up this meeting to talk about what options she has. And this guy that came over to her house didn't wanna come in. So he was waiting to talk to her out front And then some cars drive by and shoot the guy dead on her front porch. So her brother's like, you, I mean, you got to get out of here. I'm going to help you get to the United States. I'm going to help you cross the border. So she crosses the border illegally. She's lived in the States uh, quite a long time. And now she's no longer a nurse oncologist. She cleans houses. Uh, So just, I mean, be, be her for a second and have all your education and you used to own a business, you used to work with patients who have cancer, you're talking to them, you're giving them treatments, you're helping them discover what they need, you're working with doctors and you're really, really genuinely helping people. Now you're living in the States and you're, and you're cleaning houses and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with cleaning houses. I just, I, I'm trying to climb into her brain and like realize what that would actually be like to no longer use your education, to to no longer have a business that you own. Well, then she started talking about her three children who of course are dreamers and DACA currently protects them. That's up until March 5th, which is coming up real quick when DACA is supposed to end, there's all this uncertainty about what's going to happen to dreamers. Are they going to be deported to a country that maybe they've never been in because that's where they where their parents came from? Uh, or are they going to be, will there be more protection for them? Will it, will the system be fixed? Um, what will happen? There's all this uncertainty. And she cried in front of us when talking about her kids she started weeping in in, in front of us when she imagined what might happen to her kids. So, you know, be in our church right now. Um, There's a couple hundred people in the room, mostly white. A lot of people who care, um, honestly, about immigration and social justice. That's just kind of the makeup of our church. But I think it's fair to say none of us had ever sat in any kind of a church service where an undocumented immigrant Latina woman is pouring it out. And this, and you gotta, you gotta know this, like she did such an amazing job. And she, she, it was really obvious from the very beginning. She, the, the, like she's not on the church circuit, right? She hasn't polished her message so that it is palatable to white suburban congregations like ours. Um, she's just being honest about her perspective of what life is like for her, for her kids. And so she is a social justice activist. She does, she fasted and prayed on the steps of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C., waiting to, waiting to tell her story, waiting for someone to come out and listen to her, to give her a cup of cold water. She's planning on marching here in Minnesota in March, 
Okay, the temperatures are still very cold in March or can be quite cold. Planning on doing a march from, from about over about 20 miles from Brooklyn Park to the St. Cap to the Capitol in St. Paul in order to bring um, awareness to the plight that her kids are facing and all dreamers are facing. Uh, you guys, during the during this sermon, she loudly and passionately denounced Trump quite a few times. And listen, we um, we are political because everyone is, whether they realize it or not. But at our church, just super high value. We don't we don't get behind any candidate, and we actually don't we don't denounce a candidate. We don't get behind a candidate. It's not what we do. And so. <laughs> When this was happening, I was like, oh my, like, uh, how's this going to go? How many emails am I going to get? It was just fascinating because it was so raw and so unpolished and so surprising, but but not surprising at all, right? I mean, like if you stop to think about it, like what did we think that, that this undocumented immigrant is going to, you know, profess love for the current administration? Probably not. And um, so the question for all of us became, what are we seeing right now? And what do we see about just immigration and dreamers in our country? Um, dreamers, these, these kids who came over with their parents um, from different countries, uh, their undocumented parents. What... What do, we, what do we see when we see people that speak English maybe not very well or not at all uh, in the country of the United States? I realize not everybody uh, listening here is from the U.S. In fact, quite a few people from the U.K., from Canada, from Australia, New Zealand, and really all over. So I realize that. Um, but everyone is getting a front and center view about how the U.S. is handling immigration. And so none of this is new to anyone. And so the question after that happened for all of us that were sitting in that room was, how do we see Antonia? And frankly, so remember, Antonia cleans houses. That's how she spends her days, that she makes some money. Um, when I see a Latina cleaning someone's house or my house or, and I'm not trying to be pejorative here, gang. I, I'm just, that's Antonia's reality. So I'm just talking about reality. Like, do I see a nurse oncologist? Do I see a passionate advocate for justice? Do I see a mother of dreamers? Um, do I see a house cleaner? who doesn't speak English very well. Now, Antonia spoke English very well, but you know what I mean? Like, 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 what do we see when we see someone walking down the street with hijab on, with a hijab on? What do we see when we um, are in a part of town where people who don't look like us primarily live? right? What do we see and what do we feel? This is what we're trying, to, we're trying to get at. And I am speaking from my perspective right now, from the perspective of a white 
male who was born on third base, right? Um, I have, to, and, and I want to say, oh man, I see a human being. Are you kidding me? My reaction, my knee-jerk reaction um, to people of color, people uh, who don't speak English very well or look different than me, oh, totally, I, don't, I don't see anything different. I see a human being. And I just want to call bullshit on that, gang. No. Like, if you are white like me and was born on third base, you have to fight through some honest reactions on what you see. First, you really do have to get honest about what it is that you see. Because frankly, you're most likely blind. And you don't know that you're blind. So there's this story. So now let's get to the story of Jesus. There's a story in John 9. And this guy is born blind. He's living in this little tiny village. So everyone would have known him. And then um, Jesus and his disciples walk by and he has the audacity to stop them and ask Jesus to heal him. Now, the disciples start getting into a theological conversation. <laughs> they ask Jesus, um, why was this guy born blind? Who sinned, him or his parents, right? So that's what they see. They see a sinner because obviously if you're born blind, you, you did something wrong. Your parents did something wrong. That's the category that the disciples of Jesus would have put it in. Now, again, these aren't the worst people in the world. These are people that are desiring to do good in the world, desiring to follow Jesus, desiring to follow God, and, and they're understanding more and more about what that means. And they're, they, I mean, all the way in the middle of the story, John 9, they're still asking these lame, stupid questions, and it just reflects that they're blind. That, that, that's all it reflects. And it's not even a judgment, but they, the first of all, they need to realize when they see this blind guy, they don't see what they need to see. They see someone who was, was a sinner or their parents was a sinner. That's how they see it. Jesus immediately confronts them. You guys are ridiculous. And he heals the guy. Amazing. So this guy that used to be blind, born blind, now can see. Crazy, amazing thing that would have been the talk of the town. So the religious leaders find out. They come in and they're actually furious because Jesus um, did this and and it's like he's claiming to be God. I mean, and so they interrogate the guy. Uh, who who did this? And the guy says, I, I, you know, I don't even know. I mean, this guy named Jesus did this. I don't even know who he is. And um, but all I know, the guy says, is I once was blind, but now I see. And it's like that that wasn't good enough for them. Uh, and, and see the layer that's happening here. It's so fascinating is that Jesus is saying, who is it that's blind and who is it that can see in this story? Really? There's only two people that can see Jesus can see and the blind guy can see. I mean, and that's, what's fascinating. No one else can see the disciples. Great people can't see religious leaders. They're, 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 they're trying their best, but they can't see. There's just something has slipped out of their control. Uh, because um, the system on which they actually uh, keep their jobs and the system that they have propped up with their own professions is slipping away from them. Because if someone can be healed by Jesus, then maybe the people won't need the religious system anymore. So they go immediately into defensive mode because their job is to keep the system going. And here's a, here's a critique 
to any religious leaders like me. I've been a pastor for 22 years. I'm still a pastor. Here's the critique. Here's the challenge. Here's the in-your-face moment. Without knowing it, pastors, religious leaders, if you've been in it for a long time, without seeing it or knowing it, you will start to view your job as to keep the religious system that you're in and that you profit by going. Even when it goes against people, even when it goes against the teachings of Jesus, you will be unconsciously blind to the fact that you are working hard to keep that system going, even if it no longer works. That's the challenge. That's one of the layers of the story. Well, the religious leaders go and then they talk to the parents of the blind guy and they say, and, and they talk to the community members. Actually, they first they talk to the community members. And the community members go, you know, frankly, we don't even know if this is the guy. Like, we, we, we see this guy can see, but, but it, it might not even be the guy that was born blind, which is ridiculous. It's like this tiny little village. And, and, and the guy's like, guys, there's only like 70 people in this village. Of course it's me. It's me. That's <laughs> so silly. Go ahead and read the story, you guys. It's John 9. Um, and then they go to the parents, and the parents are really, really caught between a rock and a hard place. They say, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. Yes, now he can see, but we just, we don't know exactly what happened. You're going to have to talk to him. Because they know if if they fully side with Jesus and fully side with this guy, they're going to be cast out. And there's no other community to go to. If you're If you're cast out of a community in the first century, that's it. You're done. You're done. So uh, it's crazy. And so finally, the religious leaders don't know what to do. This guy keeps saying, I don't even know who this guy was, essentially, this guy Jesus, but he healed me. I once was blind, but now I see. And the guy gets cast out of the community. So he goes and finds Jesus. So the one person besides Jesus in this story who can see the one person who isn't blind is cast out. What does that say? What is Jesus saying about spiritual sight, spiritual blindness, and the, important, and, and the importance of being able to see? Wow. I mean, that's fascinating, right? What are the layers that you, what are going to be the layers that you choose to see in this story? Hey friends, we'll get right back to the podcast in a minute, but I wanted to take some time to thank you for listening. I also wanted to point you to where you can find my other work. If you go to steveweens.com, my website, you can find links to buy my books, to read my blog. And also, if you want to, you can invite me to speak to your tribe. When my schedule allows, I love to travel and do that. Lastly, you can check out patreon.com slash thisgoodword and consider becoming a supporter of This Good Word. Uh, for as little as $2 a month, you can get access to content that I only publish on Patreon. Right now, I'm going through a series on Lent. So if you subscribe now, you can get access to a weekly blog dedicated to helping you reflect and enter into Lent a little more fully. Hey, if you enjoy this good word, please head on over to 
iTunes and leave a rating and a review. It's a really good way to help me spread the message of this good word. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay, so that story from Jesus should rattle you. It should unsettle you, but it also should inspire you because maybe maybe you feel defensive. Maybe you're thinking about your own system. Maybe you're thinking about someone that's rattling your system and they're annoying. Maybe that system is your family. Maybe that system is your church. Maybe that system is your religious community or a little small group of people. Someone can now see. And I'm not necessarily talking about like, now they're woke. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think there's some beautiful uh, associations with being woke. And there's also some really obnoxious associations with being woke. What I'm talking about, whatever else, however else you want to categorize this, is that when someone who used to not be able to see can, can now see, that is an automatic confrontation to the system of blind people because everyone else is blind. And again, this, this is the layer. Like the story starts that there's one blind guy and everyone else can see, but really the story is about a system that allows people to stay blind. And then when, the, when one of them starts to see, they, they mess up the whole system. And that's essentially the whole story of Jesus. I mean, Jesus might as well be the blind guy who gets cast out, right? Who can see, the one guy that can see. So what if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're watching this story play out and you realize, okay, I'm part of the system that where no one can see. And I, I frankly cannot see. I think um, the first reflection you need to not only think about, gang, this is not just for your own journey. This is for you to talk about with others. And you need to first of all ask the question. Uh, so this is the third section in the podcast and questions that I want to hopefully ask that will help you reflect and move into more sight. Is it what do you currently see? What do you see currently? And you might want to get some people um, – some friends who um, are different from you to help you ask that question. Maybe it's different religion. Maybe it's different skin color. Maybe it's born in a different spot. Uh, but someone that's really going to see the world in a in a through a different lens than you. Help each other see what they see. So you might even want to give some categories. What do I see politically? Right. Uh, what do I see regarding uh, Christians? What do I see regarding Muslims? What do I see regarding um, the just any category? What do I see? But here's the thing: you gotta be honest. You you have to be in a little circle of people where you can tell the truth, um, and maybe it even offends someone, but you can hang on to your friendship, right? So if you see, um, I mean, the, the this is the point at which your stereotypes come out. This is the point at which your racism comes out. This is the point at which your bigotry comes out. This is the point at which your exceptionalism comes out. This is the point at which your judgmentalism comes out. And you got to be able to be honest about it. What it is that you see about yourself, about others that aren't like you, and no points for being perfect here. Like you are not as far along the journey <laughs> as you think you are <laughs> and you're probably going to need some help from people who really know you to be able to kind of tell the truth right so that's the first question what do you currently see 
be honest. And then the question moves on to the second question, and that is, what would I like to see? Like once you've identified, man, I don't see that people group, that religious affiliation, that um, that something else that I, gosh, I, I don't see them as human beings. I see them, uh, I, I bring all my judgment, I bring all my stuff to, to, the, congrega- to, the, to the conversation. But what I want to see is I want to see how they think. I, I want to see life from their perspective. I want to see the United States from their perspective. Th- this is part of what happened um, and, uh, uh, when all of us were sitting listening to Antonia. All of a sudden we realized um, like it wasn't like we were totally shocked by her views, but just, just something ha- like I left wanting to see more from that perspective wanting to hear more from the perspective of someone that doesn't automatically benefit by the system in which I benefit from. I wanted to start seeing the system that I benefit from primarily. Um, I want to see how it doesn't benefit you. I, I, I want to see that and I want to hear it. Um, does that make sense? Like, what are the things that you want to see? Like, be an investigative reporter here. Um, remember you're blind, so you need help seeing once you, once you say what you currently see, then automatically you have to admit the things you don't see. So then as a blind person, what would I like to see uh, beyond just my mirror, beyond just my view? What, 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 what lens do I want to see things through that will help me? be more human, that will help me unite with humanity, um, that will help me follow Jesus to where he's really going, which is not to prop up a tribe, not to set up an exclusionary set of rules for people to follow so that they can go somewhere in eternity or not go somewhere in eternity. He, he, he's doing something utterly different than that. He's the first human being on planet Earth that can really see. And he wants to take us on a journey if we will just admit that we don't see. Right? And so then the third question is, what will heal your sight? What will heal your sight? What will be that miraculous thing that helps you to see? And uh, yes, this is where Jesus is going. Jesus leads people together that are unlike each other. If you look at the disciples, they're all radically different from one another. And this is just the, the, most, the most amazing message of his um, ministry is, in fact, the kind of disciples he pulls together that would hate each other, really. They actually help each other to see what they need to see. It's fascinating. But what is going to heal your sight? How are you going to invite God into that? How will you invite other people into that? And slowly by slowly, how will you begin to see what you can't currently see? Now, this only works if you want to. If you don't want to see, if you want to stay blind, you can. I mean, you honestly can. You have to be very intentional if you want to see something different. Um, And so I think this is what Jesus is doing most, during most of his teachings. He's trying to point out how 
those of us who think we can see are actually blind. And those of us who are blind are some of the first. Those of us who are blind and know it are some of the first that can see. So if you want to see, there's there's an admission, man, I'm blind. I, there are things I want to see that I can't see. And that's where it starts. I think that's all I'm going to say about that, gang. This might be one you have to rewind and uh, listen to again. Um, you might want to get some books. I'm not even going to re- recommend any. I recommend way too many books, but you know where to go. Uh, there's lots of books being written right now. There's movies um, that are being told that are helping us see the perspective of others. And uh, I encourage you to go on a journey where you admit what you currently see, where you, um, and also where you're blind, where you um, declare where, what you want to see more of, and then where you get some help in having your sight healed. Okay, friends, that was episode 135, Learning to See. Thanks for being in this together. Thanks for listening. And remember, we're dust and breath. We're limited and limitless. We're human and holy. And we're in it together.